0: Good morning, church. Come on. Good morning. Here we go. We have Resurrection Sunday, the Super Bowl of the church, right? This is the the best day ever. Did you know that the reason that we gather every week in church together as believers is because Jesus rose on Sunday. Sunday morning, Jesus is risen. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? And for some of us, we, we are staking our eternity on that. And here's the reality. I, I know that any given Sunday as we gather uh, that we have, we have some people that are uh, very religious in the house that have grown up around church. We have people that are skeptics and they're unsure about the whole Jesus thing. Uh, we have people that uh, have recently come to Christ and this is all brand new. We have others that have walked away from the faith and are now just coming back. We have people that are carrying some heavy heavy burdens and questioning what what does tomorrow bring and is god going to show up for me and you are overwhelmed with anxiety and filled with despair did you know that any given week when we gather together uh there are people that are experiencing things very different than you are but guess what we have solutions we have answers to everything that we are facing, no matter your background, no matter your questions, that we go to God's Word and we find hope and we find healing. And I, I pray that today, that would be another day that you would experience something different, something brand new. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm kind of tired of old and more of the same. And uh, the more that I spend time with people that are struggling, I know that there's many that feel like you're trapped and you're stuck. And then it feels like there's no way forward. Well, guess what? God's in the business of, of doing a new thing. He's in the business of, of bringing dead things to life. And, and I hope you want some of that. So much so that uh, as you have your Bibles open, if you want to open to John 19, John 19, and if you want to get a bulletin in your hand, there's an outline for the message. Do you want to shoot your hand up if you do not have... A bulletin. If you don't have an outline, we can help you with that because we want you to be able to take some notes. Uh, We got some up here, Fred. And uh, we would love to be able to to track together, to walk together through quite a bit of scripture in a short period of time. Everybody say, keep it short. All right, I'll try. I'll try. All right. So if you track with me, if you track with me, uh, we can get through this together. Uh, Today's message is called Resurrection New. Resurrection New new old boo new yes more and more of that and so do you believe that god is at work that he changes the old that he brings transformation not a little bit of change a whole lot of change we we saw those videos of just looking at holy week right leading up to resurrection sunday uh, a week of questions and doubt and death and loss and despair and the tomb is, is empty Easter Sunday. And we get to recognize no matter where we've been, God is wanting to take us somewhere new. And so, let's take a look at this. John 19. I at least want to get us, get us in the right place. John 19. And we're going to start in verse 30. Do you see that? Uh, it's on page 976 in my Bible. Everybody shout, who cares? Yeah. yeah, who cares where it's at in my Bible? What I'm really worried about You got your Bible open? You you found where John 19 is? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, right? Fourth Gospel. Uh, If you're towards the end, if you hit 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, wrong Johns, wrong Johns, back up, back up. And you'll get to John 19. And we want to spend a few minutes looking at this. Looking at the resurrection. Looking at what difference does that make for us? And do we even believe it? And so, regardless of where you're at, Would we be open to God taking us somewhere new? And let's get low before the Lord as we get started. Father, you are so good. It's not by mistake that we're here. It's not by mistake that you would bring us together. God, we could be anywhere, we could be doing anything else. We could be finishing a 12 pack, we could be fishing, we could be anywhere else, we could be sleeping in till the afternoon. But God, You want more for us. You're offering more. You're offering something new. And God, for those of us that are here, I know that that many have a heavy heart. I know that many are are wondering where You are and when the help is going to come and when when the hard is going to be over and when when there's going to be hope again. And God, I know that there's some here that may have a form of religion, but their hearts empty. God, would you fill it up with something new? God, would you would you make those that walked in one way, would you make them completely different as they leave? God, would you bring newness of life? Would you bring joy? Would you bring a security that heaven can be their home. God, would You have Your way. May Your will be done. Your kingdom, God. We want Your kingdom to come. So meet with us. Teach us. Open our eyes that we would see amazing things from Your Word. And we all pray in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. John 19. John 19. Here it is. We're going to fire through this pretty quick. You can read this on your own. John 19 and at the end of chapter 19, it says that Jesus, when he received the, the sour wine, uh, he said, to tell us all right. So if anybody's interested in a $10,000 word of the day, this is hanging in my office. So I frequently get to look over and see to tell what in the world does that mean? It is finished. It's finished. It's done. It's over. There's nothing more to do. There's nothing more to accomplish. It's not your job to work harder, clean up your life. When Jesus cries out, it is finished. We can either turn to Him and say, I believe it. I believe in You. I believe what You have done, Jesus. You finished the work that I could never do. You lived the perfect life I could never live. You laid down Your life in My place. You finished the work. And there's nothing left to do but to trust, to turn away from the old, and to experience the new, he cries out on the cross, it's finished. To tell us thy. And he bowed his head, he gave up his spirit. In verse 33. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, there's a lot of death going on here. Verse 38, Joseph of Arimathea asked Pilate that he might take the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him permission. So he came and he took away the dead body. Verse 40, so they they took the The body of Jesus, the dead body. Verse 41, crucified, dead. Verse 42, they laid Jesus, dead Jesus there. In the tomb, down goes the lifeless body of Jesus. If you're taking notes, number one, we desperately need resurrection. I mean, if there was ever a time where we would say, uh, we need life, we need hope, In that moment, all of the followers of Jesus said, this is not what I bargained for. This isn't what I signed up for. I didn't sign up for Him to be tortured to death. I didn't sign up for Him to go into a grave. I signed up for a king that's going to kick butt and take names. That's going to conquer all of my enemies. That's going to make all the bad things good. And He's gone. But little did they know on that Friday that Sunday's coming, right? sunday was coming and how badly in that moment was resurrection needed right the disciples mary martha lazarus they were still puzzled why why this well here's the deal john 2:19 if you want to jot this down as we read through the gospels we see jesus said destroy this temple in 3 days i will raise it up again mark 8:31 he said he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and the scribes and He would be killed. They, he told them that. And after three days He would rise again. Jesus had been telling them and telling them, I must be killed, but I will rise. I must die, but I will rise again. And they didn't hear it and they didn't believe it. And still on that day, on that Friday, still doubt, questions, suspicion, skepticism, hopelessness and despair. And I don't know about you, but we can be around the truth. We can hear some things about the Bible and we can even hear it over and over again. And the reality is we can still stay dead with doubt. We can still stay stuck in the old. Even though we may know the truth, even though we've heard it before, the question is, do we really believe what Jesus said? Do we believe it? Do we believe it? And I know that throughout history, so many reasons for, for doubts. Okay? So I, I don't know if this is going to answer all of your questions, but I was just thinking to myself, why is it so hard to believe what has already been told? And why is it so difficult for us to see what's really there? Well, I don't know if you've if you got some spots to, to jot this down, but here, here's five prophecies fulfilled beyond Christ's control. He he said it over and over again that this would happen, and so here's here's five. Here, here's a big a big aha moment. Should have been 700 years before Jesus was born. It was prophesied Isaiah 7:14. Isaiah 7:14. Behold, and when we see behold, we say, come on, check it out. All right, so let's do that again. Behold, yeah. the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and he shall be called Emmanuel. Isaiah 7, over 700 years before, he said, virgin, conceive. Emmanuel will be his name. It was prophesied. Did that come true? Yes or no? Yeah, sure did. Matthew one twenty one. for he will save his people from their sin, and he did. And we reject the reality of the miraculous. Why? It's not because the miraculous didn't happen. It's because if the miraculous really happened, then everything that God said is true And if what he said is true, I'm accountable before a God that knows the past and the future and knows all things. And I'm going to have to answer to Him. That's hard. That's hard. How about this? How about a second prophecy just in case we need some reminding for some of us. We've never heard this before, so you're welcome. Here we go. Over 700 years prior, once again, Micah came along, a prophet, and he declared this. He declared where Jesus was going to be born. Was it coincidence that Jesus was born in Bethlehem? Uh, no, I submit to you. It is not a coincidence. Micah 5.2, Micah 5.2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephraim, you who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you, it's from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be the ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from old, it's from ancient days. Well, did, did that happen? Yes or no? Yeah, it 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 did. It did absolutely. What God says always comes true. Matthew two, verse one. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, every said. Yeah. Check it out. Come on, come on. You know your line. You know your line. Behold, every time we see behold, you're like, wake up, be alert. You got to check this out. See it? You see it? This is what he said. Check this out this is so powerful (sighs) that he would indeed come and he would be born wise men from the east knew it and they came to jerusalem because they believed what was prophesied and that they took action when they believed how about this number three how jesus would be arrested over a thousand years before jesus was born everybody say that was a long time yeah not coincidence a thousand years before jesus was born There was a certain psalmist, a writer of the Psalms, that wrote prophesying betrayal. How was he going to be arrested? Psalm 41.9. Psalm 41.9 says this, Even my close friend in whom I trust, who ate my bread, has lifted his heel against me. And this is in prophecy that someone would be at the table while bread was being broken. Anybody have a guess? Pop quiz Sunday morning? Judas thousand years prior there was going to be a one at the table eating bread with him and he was going to betray him Matthew 10:4 Judas Iscariot betrayed him as it was prophesied How about this number four how Jesus would be murdered? How is this going to happen? Was he going to be hung? Was he going to be stoned to death? Was he going to be impaled? Was he going to be thrown off of a, a roof? what what would we know well, for 700 years prior to Jesus' death, all of Israel should have known and all who have read the Scriptures in Isaiah 53 would have known this. Isaiah 53.5, He will be pierced for my transgressions. And hundreds of years in the Old Testament of reading and memorizing leading up to that, and thousands of years after, do you believe it? But that Jews today still that believe in the Old Testament will get to Isaiah 53 and have a very difficult time reading it because it's so absolutely clear. You have to close your eyes. You have to close the book not to see the truth of what was to come. What He promises, He will deliver. Matthew 27, we see all throughout the chapter. He was beaten. He was mocked. He was crucified. All of it was fulfillment. How about this? Lastly, number five how jesus would be resurrected did you know in the old testament there was absolute clarity for quite a long time hundreds and hundreds of years they would have known psalm 1610 psalm 1610 for you will not abandon my soul to Sheol, or let your holy one see decay and today we gather to celebrate the fulfillment of this prophecy isn't that awesome somebody say that's awesome right we get to remember over and over for thousands of years god has been promising and delivering and we see it all throughout scripture and all throughout history matthew 28 we see all friday night saturday morning all saturday afternoon all sunday or all saturday evening and then sunday morning the angel dispatched he comes rolls the stone away oh and then jesus right obliterates the little mummy suit that he was wrapped in and says it's time that he rose again, just like it was prophesied, and, and what's crazy to me is, is this, that even with all the proof and even with uh, the the skeptics in the house, that we would we would have questions about. Well, but what if it's not true? What if we made a mistake? What what if we're not quite sure? What if what if that's not enough? Well, there's a there's a little slogan that. Christians like to say. And could we just say this Easter, Easter of 2023, we're just going to we're going to put this one in the grave, all right? We're going to stop saying this because it's not true. Well, the Christian would say to a skeptic, "Well, what if you're wrong and I'm right?" I mean, you have you have everything to lose. Well, but the Christian would say, "What if I'm wrong and you're right? At least at least I'm still living the best possible life even if i'm wrong and the apostle paul comes along in first corinthians 15 and he he says this wrong answer wrong answer if 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 jesus is not risen if we cannot believe the facts of history if we are not trusting in jesus alone if he was a fake a phony and a farce then guess what paul says he doesn't say well live it anyway just in case because it's the best possible option i don't know if you have any blanks but uh if jesus didn't rise and you can read first corinthians 15 and see his his challenge to the church that he would say apostles are liars they're liars christians are pitiful pitiful say that with me pitiful if you didn't spit on somebody you're not doing it right pitiful 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 christians are pitiful faith is stupid right our kids are not allowed to say stupid at home, but you can say it in church just this once, alright? Faith is absolutely stupid. Church is worthless. 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 Sermons are just speculation. We're just guessing here. I'm just speculating on what might be the truth. And death is the end of the story. Anybody think that that's your best life? That's the best option if Jesus isn't risen is to live the Christian life? Uh, you should be shaking your head new 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 it's the absolute worst idea to follow a god who is not really god and to follow a man who didn't really rise from the dead as he promised because he would be a a liar and not worthy of following this whole thing rises and falls on the resurrection do you feel the weight of that There is no Christianity if there is no resurrection. There's no hope for your eternity after you die if there is no resurrection. There is nothing after unless this really happened. And that's where your confidence lies. So does it this morning? Is there a confidence that it's Jesus alone? My hope is found in Him alone. I have trusted in Him. Well, if you want to turn from the old and turn to the new, Maybe this would be the Easter to do it. To say, I'm done with the old life. I'm done going through the motions. I'm done trying to live my best life now. I'm done trying to work harder and do more and clean up my life. I'm done, I'm done, I'm done. I need resurrection. I'm sick of the old. I'm sick of being stuck. Because here, if you're taking notes, jot this down. We must experience resurrection. If you are to live with hope, if you are to have confidence after you die, you must experience resurrection. If you've been born again and you've been rescued from your sin and rebellion, your future is its new. It's new. And I love this. I love this. What type of songs is God interested in? What, what does God say He gets fired up about? Well, we would say from the Psalms, the psalmist is constantly yelling about singing a, a new song. He loves new music. How about this? Psalm 96.1 psalm 98 one psalm 149 one sing to the lord a new song sing to the lord a new song sing to the lord a new song when god is doing something new in us when god's working something new in the church there are new songs to be sung because there is fresh faith and fresh power of resurrection that's pretty awesome that's pretty awesome somebody say that's awesome that there is a song worth singing and it's a song that i have been made new 2 Corinthians 5:17 i don't know if you're if you're memorizing scripture for some of us you're like i i can't even memorize the first word of any scripture well we can start here therefore if anyone is in Christ he is a new creation some of us already know this the old has it's passed away and uh the new behold check this out the new has come and is coming. There is new constantly coming our way if we're in Him. Revelation 21. one. Then I saw a new heavens and a new earth. You think God's pretty excited about doing new stuff? Things that are taking the old away and putting it in the rearview mirror and bringing newness. Are you experiencing that? It's one thing to know that God offers it. It's very different to actually embrace Jesus by faith and live a life where you're experiencing resurrection new. Okay? So I'm not assuming that that anybody is experiencing that, okay? And so by your life is there evidence that there is a, a new song that God is putting in your heart, that there is a new purpose in which you're living for, that the old is fading away and that your life is becoming something brand new. Would, would others testify that your life is like that? Those that are closest to you, can, can we get a little bit a little bit closer to home? Would your kids and grandkids, would your spouse, would your coworkers that see you on a regular basis? Would they say, the person that I do life with and I see regularly, they're not the same person they were a year ago. They're not the same person they were a few years back. They're changing. Things are becoming new in their life. Is that your story? Because here's the sobering reality. If you're not experiencing new, maybe it's because you haven't been made new. You can't live out newness if you've never started the journey. Okay? And so for some of us, I know that, if we've been around religion, if we've been around the church, there's a tendency for some of us to be like, well, yeah, I'm here, aren't I? Like gold sticker for Easter and I get another sticker for Christmas. The question is, is your life changing? Right? Because if you're not being changed, maybe it's not that you're struggling, it's because you're not saved. It's because you're not right with God. Those that get right live a new life. This is the Christian life. New. It's new. It's new. Somebody say it's new. God is so passionate about newness and He's so exhausted by religion. Someday we're going to do a whole series just on why was Jesus so fired up against the Pharisees? What's the beef? What's the beef with the Pharisees? Why is he attacking the religious leaders? It's because religion is more death added to our current death. It's us hopping on the conveyor belt of life and just trying to be taken somewhere instead of God setting us in a brand new place with a brand new purpose. And that, as I was studying, I'm like, how how many religions are following a founder or a lead teacher that, to this day, you could actually go and you could find their, their gravesite. You could find their bones because the religious leaders that proclaim that there was a a new life, they're dead. They're in the ground. And I wonder if if we could go on a quick journey. Are, are you with me? Are you ready for, for a little trip? We're going to go through a little trip of world religions, okay? Everybody say woo-hoo. Yeah, no, you're super excited. Super excited, okay? So he, here we go. Dead religious leaders, or what? What happens when leaders that claim to be of God? What happens when they die? What happens to their followers? Well, the Prophet Muhammad, he was born in 571 A.D., dead in 632, and you can visit his bone-filled tomb. And we have Islam. How about Krishna? He's dead. Uh, Hinduism doesn't have an initial leader but Hinduism believes that Vishnu reincarnated in the person of Krishna, and he died 3102 BC. How about Buddha? Buddha died in 483 BC. He said he wasn't gonna die, and then you know what happened? He he died, yeah, yeah. So false prophecy equals uh, dead religion, right? But I forgot to mention, this this is where I screwed up, right? To this day, you can't find Buddha's bones. He doesn't have a, a grave site because he was cremated. So he is around the world in little jars with his with his ashes. Okay, so he's the exception. We have Confucius. Guess what happened to Confucius? He died. He died. 479 B.C. His grave is filled with a bunch of death today. Confucianism dominating China. How about Joseph Smith? One of my my old buddies. He died in 1844. And you can go visit his grave in Nauvoo, Illinois as then his followers traveled across the Midwest and up to Utah where Joseph Smith still has no power or no hope with his legacy as the world's largest cult still gathers. How about Mary Baker Eddy? She died in 1910, the founder of Christian science. (laughs) Her beliefs were that in new age healing that you can begin to heal yourself. And at 90, did she heal herself? No, she died of pneumonia in Massachusetts. You can go to Cambridge today. L. Ron Hubbard died in 1986, founder of Scientology, worship of self, died in California. And he announced that because his body was getting in the way of his ministry, that he had to die so that the work could continue on and that he was going to proceed to do his work on another planet so apparently that's where he's at today or or not turn to your neighbor and say or not or or not so much not so much only one has come and died and rose again there is an empty tomb and i don't know if we are tired enough of living in a a one world order where all paths lead to heaven and all roads, as long as you're genuine and you're authentic and you're sincere in your faith. And the reality is there are a lot of sincere people on a lot of roads that are leading to hell because there's a belief in a system that has no power over death. There is nothing but a grave for us Unless we follow the one that broke free from the grave, overcame death, overcame Satan, and now he's alive. He's alive. Turn your neighbor and say he's alive. He's alive. Religion is dead. Christianity is is well. Christianity is moving forward because Christianity is not a religion in a sense. Christianity is the unreligion because religion is our efforts to try to get right with God and follow some rules and try not to do the bad and try to do the good, try to live a little bit better than somebody else. The reality is Christianity is nothing like that. Christianity, we're the only people on the face of the earth that are able to say, I'm a total mess and I can't help me and I don't have the answers within me. I need help from without, not from within. And if there's somebody that said that they were going to live perfectly, and they did it, if there was someone that came and claimed to be God and proved it, if there was someone that said that they were going to die and rise again and they actually did it, I'm with Him. I'm going with Him. 100% I'm jumping on on that boat of hope found in a person that doesn't just claim righteousness but lives it and proves that they have power that overcomes death itself Jesus is singular. He is by Himself. There is no other like Him. And I don't know about you, but that brings hope for something new while everything else promises and cannot deliver. More of the old. More of the old. Is that your story? I tried that, experienced more of the old. Then I tried this and I experienced more old. And then I tried to get myself out of it and it failed. And I'm living more of the old regrets and the old ways. And I don't know about you, but Easter 2023 seems like a great time to experience new. Something brand new. And if you've already experienced the power of the resurrection, trusting in Jesus, and He brought you from death to life and forgave you of all of your sins, then I don't know about you, but Uh, I I can't keep my mouth shut about a message like this. And I have to tell everybody that there is hope, that there is one that has risen, and that if you put your trust in Him, you can be forgiven of all your past, present, future sins. You can have your eternity secure. Not maybe, not I hope so, but a guarantee everybody needs to know. So if you have it, are you passing it on? Is there a new passion and a new sense of urgency in the dark days that we live? Do you sense an urgency to go out, to move out, to proclaim good news. Because if anybody checks their inbox, if anybody checks the news at all, if anybody is looking at their feed on socials, um, anybody got just a few examples of bad news going on in our day? I'm like, I, I I don't know what is happening. I don't know if this is the end. Okay, we're we're gonna have a we're gonna have a series at some point in the next year or two on what do we really believe about the end times and is this it regardless of what your view is it's not getting better it's getting worse never before have we had such a sense of it's darker it's darker it's darker more of the old recycled paganism i i just read this past week so this was my highlight of bad news when i want something new sometimes i got to remind myself man What hope do we offer as believers in the Gospel? Well, we offer this hope. In the past 10 years, never before has raw paganism been on the rise than for thousands of years before. The number one growing religion is just pure satanic witchcraft and adultery of the oldest, most ancient kinds. And it's rampant. And isn't that awesome Not that we have bad news, but isn't it awesome that we can have eyes to see the more that times change, the more they stay exactly the same, the more we recycle the old stuff. Because when we grasp for some kind of good news and don't find it in Jesus, everything else just keeps getting repackaged as hopelessly as before. But we have good news. Someone say good news. We have good news over dead religion. We have something better. We desperately need resurrection. We need to experience it. How about this? Number three, somebody jot this down. We long for resurrection. We long for it. We have John 20 all the way through 1-7. through I I just want to read a few of these passages. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, she came to the tomb early while it was still dark, saw that the stone had been Taken away from the tomb. So she ran and she went to Simon Peter and the other disciple. Who's the other disciple? Uh, humble John, right? John's writing this letter and he considers himself the, the other disciple. He's always the other humble guy. The other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. Wait a minute. Wait, what? Thought we were going the humble route, John. Not sure. A little passive aggressive. Okay. The one who loved Jesus. He said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they have laid Him. Well, of course, Mary was assuming that Jesus is still dead. Hopeless. Hopeless. It's dark. So Peter went out, verse 3, with the other disciple, that other disciple, that other guy, the other guy. Somebody say John. okay? And they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together and the other disciple outran Peter. Peter. <sighs> Who was that other disciple that has sweet skills of humility and speed? All right. The apostle John, the loved one, the loved one. All right. Way to go, John. Way to go. Imagine you sneaking that in, right? Really, John? Really? Somebody say, really? 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 Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Verse 4. But the other disciple outran Peter, reached the tomb first, and stooping to look in, John saw. what he saw the linen cloths lying there he didn't go in and simon peter came following him slightly winded sissy peter went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloths lying there and the face of the cloth which had been on jesus head not lying with the linen cloths but folded up in a place all by itself Again, we're not going to do a theology of how neat and orderly Jesus was, but somebody say that's pretty neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Verse 8, and then the other disciple who had reached the tomb first. Yes, yes, we know, John. You're talking about you, okay? He also went in and he saw. I love this. He saw and believed. He saw it for what it was and he believed. How long did it take him to process and calculate and argue and debate. There's something so beautiful about how God is calling us to come to Him. And God the Father is just saying, just just see My Son and believe. Just see Him. See Him and believe Him. See what He has done and trust in Him with full confidence. Have you done that? I've never seen Him before and then I saw Him. I struggled and doubted and then one day, it's like the lights, they went on and I saw Him for who He really was and I believed and I believed. Do you have a story like that? I was once dead and then I saw and I believed and now I'm alive. I'm alive. How awesome is it that in that moment, Even the disciples were doubting. Even they were struggling. And they walked with Him, right? For three years, three and a half years, they spent time with Him face to face, side by side. They watched all the miracles, and yet, it was still right at the end. Finally, there is trust. There is belief. That's awesome. That's awesome. So we desperately need Him. We need to experience this resurrection, and we long for resurrection. And here we have, lastly, somebody say, land the plane. Here we go. We trust in resurrection. We trust. We trust in the this resurrection power bigger, stronger than the dead. John 20, verse 8. Then the other disciple, the other disciple, who is that? Yeah, John, okay, okay, we get it, we get it. Also went in, he saw and he believed, and for as yet they did not understand the Scriptures, that he must rise from the dead. Knowing the Scriptures, but not understanding the Scriptures. Now, I don't know if you have a time, a place that you can recall if you if you claim to be a follower of Jesus. Salvation comes in a moment. Even though God may be drawing you for a long time, even if He's calling you and you're resisting and battling and fighting, salvation comes in a moment. You go from death to life In a moment. That's the power of the resurrection. It doesn't take a long, drawn-out time to try to get you undead back to life. It's in a moment that Jesus rose. It's in a moment that when we trust and believe that we rise, that we are brand new. On June 16th of 2002, Father's Day, something happened that had never happened before. I was driving in my car. And some of you know my, my story. But having heard the Scriptures throughout, sprinkled throughout my life, I did not understand anything I had ever heard. I'd gone through a little bit of catechism. Anybody familiar with that? Some of you are like, I am so catechized, it's unbelievable. Alright? Bless you. Bless you. For For some of us that have gone through those processes and hear a lot of the things, we can go all the way through years and years of even being taught the truth and still not understand at the end of that. I was one of those. I remember showing up a number of times. I could tell you probably uh, the contours of every girl's body in my catechism class, but I could not tell you a single verse that I heard. Okay, I could tell you all of the gossip that was being passed around in those classes as I went through, but I do not remember a single prayer that went on. I don't remember ever opening the Bible all throughout the Christmas visits or Easter visits growing up. I do not remember anything except for my mama's elbow. I remember it well, okay? Same spot every time, right? I remember the back of my eyelids really well, but I do not remember, I had no understanding. I don't know about you, but. Maybe this is your 10,000th time being in a place like this, showing up to church, and the reality is you're still not understanding. You are still dead. You are still old. You are still stuck. You are still living the same life. You're still living for the things of the world. You are still pursuing your thing because God's thing has not become your thing. And the reality is in a moment, that could happen. what What do I have to do? Well, here's the good news. That even a four-year-old can understand and be able to trust in Jesus. That I accept that I am a sinner. That I am a rebel. That I have wandered and I have strayed. That I have not obeyed every law. For all of us, hopefully we can at least get on that level of I have screwed up. I have failed. I have sinned. But I believe that Jesus paid the penalty and I deserve it. I deserve literal conscious torment in a place called hell for all eternity because I have sinned against a eternal holy God. your punishment is equal not just to the crime but to the one that you offended and that you hurt. If all of our sin is rejecting God then the punishment is equal to the holiness and the eternality of God. I can believe that Jesus died for me and I should have died. I believe that he rose again and today, We get to remember that well, right? He's risen. He's risen. So I don't have to die and stay in my sin. I can be free from a sin. I can believe that I can be forgiven of all my sin. Not half of it. Not part of it. Not just the bad stuff. Not just some of the old stuff. All of it. And that if I would confess with my mouth, believe in my heart, Jesus died and He rose again, that I can be saved. I can be rescued. If you believe that with a childlike faith to say, i'm done with the old i want something new as the worship team comes i want us just to be able to slow down and think about two things do i know for certain that i'm going to heaven that i've been made new because the resurrection has made me new and if i've received it who around me is not hearing it and they should be because i should be proclaiming it do i need to receive today Or do I need to be compelled to go today and proclaim like I've never proclaimed before with boldness and with confidence? He is risen, therefore, everyone needs to know. The whole world needs to know. I need to tell of a new story that I have going from old to new.